In a universe where life does not end at death, we explore the infinite possibilities forged by our very minds. Welcome to our Thadian Anthologies. Greetings fellow travelers and storytellers, welcome to the Arthadian Anthologies podcast, where I, MS Arthadian, dive into the ever-expanding universe I'm developing, and the deeper meaning behind it all. As I've been continuing this podcast, I'm working on developing a larger storyline that will arc through not just this podcast, but into other projects I have in the works. For now, you may notice themes popping in different episodes, as well as many callbacks to previous information and characters. In this entry, however, you will get a closer glimpse at some of the Chosen who have survived past the reset, and where they are around cycle 30. So without further ado, let's dive in. Being a commoner is both frightening and uplifting. Though you may be afraid of those who are in power and will use it against you, you will also not have to worry about the many greater forces at play. But who are the ones that face off against the greater threats throughout the core? Most of the time it's the Runeforgers. Other times, it may be the greater societies coming together to ward off impending catastrophe. But who are the individuals that begin the process of elimination and shed the light on the dark forces at play? After the reset, we follow two chosen down separate paths who've survived through the many trials they faced before the surge hit. To begin, we focus our sight on the elite plasmatic knight, William Soar, who was mentioned for a brief moment back in entry 19 of this podcast. At the time of the reset, William was a pupil in the plasmatic traditions. Being an Archaean from the Pillars, he, his son, and a distant relative were the last of the Sor lineage. You may remember the Sor Castell from entries 8, 9, and 11. If not, you should go listen to them for a refresher on why William is one of three Sors left. Anyways, being a Sor, his Ion Link allowed him the ability to train under the Plasmatic Knights. He spent approximately 30 cycles in the Ren Empire of the Thalmist Nebula, and over the course of those three decades, William was challenged severely. He persisted through being separated by his soul bond, Ariel Sor, who became a Master Runeforger before the reset hit. His son trained under his mother for 30 cycles as well. They were able to spend some marks together, but William was committed to becoming a powerful Ion Link practitioner. And that he did. By the time he returned home to Archaea, William became an elite plasmatic knight, able to roam freely to all Rin colonies found across the realms. However, you may be wondering what led him to shedding light on the newfound darkness. It all took place on a mission for Emperor Zahn. Around cycle 19, Emperor Zahn called upon an elite squadron of plasmatic knights to go find a bunker of thieves that stole a precious artifact from the Emperor's vault. What was strange about the mission was they were told to execute everyone there, find the artifact and apprehend it, but what William didn't know was that the artifact was a living creature. Upon seeing the creature, it took the form of Emperor Zahn and spoke just like him. It even knew William's name, and then it also took William's form. The only thing he learned from the creature was what Zahn called it, the Formless. Before he could do anything to capture it, it teleported away. William tried getting more information out of the Emperor, however, it seemed Zahn was unwilling to share such intel. This didn't come back into William's life until he returned to Archaea and became a professor of plasmatic traditions at the Arcus Academy. There, William met another professor by the name of Hytirin. He went on a mission for Hytirin, actually, 
and that mission brought him to the domain of death in Magenium. In this domain, he traveled to a world known as Eudain. On this world was a massive layer of deep fog with reapers floating around. This happened to be a father and son bonding mission. However, Thadian Sor wasn't as experienced of a traveler than his father. As a result, Thadian became catatonic from the mist surrounding the temple they had to enter. Therefore, William went in alone, discovering two artifacts that floated upon pillars. One being an elixir that Hyterion wanted to study. The other artifact being a sentient halberd that holds the spirit of champion Ulysses Eudain. William recalled Ulysses from his past as a friend who perished before the reset. Those artifacts were later described to him as the keys to calamity within Magenium. How he found this out was through a vision from Magenium herself. She explained to him, William Sore, I have lost faith in the Archaeans. Their conflict will not cease until a greater force brings them together. A plan is in motion to unleash the titans of the apocalypse, Ri, Ra, Rin, and Rai. I shall not stop them. As the reset did nothing to quell this Archean turmoil, I warn you now, so you may begin the fight against this and save your people. How this connects to the mission from the Formless is from months of learning about this threat, investigating Hyterion, and a previous memory from his time becoming a master plasmatic knight. That memory involved the process of finding and training a pupil. Around the same time as his mission for the Emperor, William was brought to a world on the borders of multiple realms, escorted by his mentor and close friend, plasmatic knight Armin Loom. William entered a deep tunnel into the heart of a mountain found on this world. Inside, he was brought to a structure shaped like an observatory and bore witness to the celestial creatures known as the obelisk. Their statures were of massive silhouettes with polyhedral shapes as heads, and they spoke through William's imagination. Through this, they explained to him that he would pass by his pupil in a week's time, and if he did take him on, William would experience great loss and suffering, and if he didn't, his pupil would come into his life much later and cause turmoil as a new threat appeared. The Isobelisk told William that before he came across this pupil in the future, they would appear before him and make his presence known. What was strange, however, was that when they appeared, William did not see anyone in particular. That is, until Professor Hyterion approached him within a ridden tower, almost like he knew where William was. This didn't happen until the third array of Cycle 30, months after he had met Hyterion and already shared suspicions about him. Those suspicions did not cease until the Castell gathering for the Soar Castell's return to the height of nobility within Archaea. At that point in time, the gathering took place on 018th, Array 3, Cycle 30. This gathering was more than just a political ceremony. It was an operation to find out who within the power structure of Archaea was the Formless. Their main target being Professor Hyterion. By the end of it, Emperor Zahn, who attended the gathering, apprehended a Formless from the crowd that congregated to the Sor estate. This was when they realized 
the Formless already began its plans to bring its people back. Before I go into the Formless and what the Chosen know about it, the other figure that was born before the reset and survived through it is Rydia Valeth of Prima's Garden. Being a Vo Yen from a Yen society within the Dwarven Citadel, Rydia, her sister Quistis, and her brother Lewin all helped pave the way for their home world to flourish after the reset. This was a difficult task to say the least, one in which could never go as planned. However, Rydia had a keen mind before the reset, having encountered glimpses of a writ who assisted her journey. She knew before the reset, Prima's garden merged toward more authoritarian roots. However, right before the surge hit, Quistus was elected the next matriarch. As a result, Quistus was the only sibling affected by the surge, while Rydia and Lubin were not. Therefore, the three of them shared the labor required to lift the yen of Prima's garden out of fragmentation. Lewin being a devoted Primanian, he believed following the divine path of Prima would help the people establish a proper moral framework. All while Rydia worked to establish a liberal society for all kinds of people to live and prosper from within. They only sought the essentials and did not seek to bear new advancements. In a way, it allowed relationships to have greater meaning while materialistic possessions never came between the families. This lasted for a good several cycles, but once fragmentation hit, it began to deteriorate the society they built. Rydia and her siblings had to come to a decision for the people. They believed everyone had the freedom to choose what their hearts desired, and some of those Yen fundamentally and radically disagreed with the route the garden had taken. Therefore, the Valeths allowed those who disagreed to leave and form their own society outside of theirs. This became their greatest sign of weakness, as the new society that formed grew into another authoritarian regime, known as Rakis. They thrived on their advancements, and worshipped a new matriarch by the name of Killis. How they advanced so far was beyond the Valeth's knowledge, but Rydia didn't learn about them until nearly two decades after the first of them left. Now, they are racial supremacists becoming the very thing their ancestors fought against. Before their encounter with Killis, Lewin had a vision, one he felt he shouldn't pass up. This occurred around cycle 18, and by cycle 19, Lewin left the garden and went in search of his kind, a type of Yen only heard about in legends of ancient photonic lore. From this turn of events, Rydia had a change in outlook over how she presented herself as a Yen, in doing so, she shaved her head on the mark her brother left, and has kept it that way ever since. When Killis finally arrived at their home, the sisters were not prepared for their tactics, as it was a random encounter. She came in cycle 28, being the first time the Valeth were finding out about this new society they built. They didn't want to cause any trouble at the time. But around two cycles later, a friend of Rydia's came to speak to the Throne Lord of the Dwarven Citadel. That friend being Master Forger Ariel Soar. Along with her was a student of Williams who attended his Iron Link class at the Arcus Academy. His name is Arcantos, and he came along to the Citadel for a mission given to him by one Professor Hytirin. 
Arcantos, having already gone on a joint mission with William in the past for Hyterion, is a Kron who has a natural affinity towards ion kinetics and the conduit of Synchronus. In the mission he previously went on with William, Arcantus discovered something about the cosmic membrane on the outer border of the Core Realms. He found out that every Equilil array, the cosmic tunnels appear almost like veins, allowing passage to all the realms. It was at this point they put the pieces together. Someone wants to unleash the Titans and send them through the cosmic tunnels to infect the entire Core with their devastation. They suspected it to be Professor Hyterion planning all of this. And it furthered their suspicions when Hyterion put forward a mission for Arcantos, making them believe he was trying to split them up. Thankfully, Ariel had business in the Dwarven Citadel, so she took Arcantos along with her to Prima's garden and left him with Rydia to complete his mission. For some reason, the mission was to rendezvous with Hyterion's allies on a world near Prima's garden. Rydia had no way of traveling off-world, therefore she used this as a diplomatic venture to meet with the Rakis and see if they'd be willing to set their differences aside. Before they left, however, Rydia took precautions and told Quistus to contact the inevitable assault squadron from Duagar-1 of the Dwarven Citadel. Heading over to the Rakis in their personal pod, Rydia and Arcantos made it to the blistering mountains in which the Rakis have stayed for the past few decades. There, Rydia discovered just how far gone they were from when they left the Garden. They separated Rydia from Arcantos, and they were ready to get rid of the Prime in their midst. They took Arcantos into a separate chamber with executioners ready to take him out, while Rydia was escorted to the person in charge of the base there. She thought it would be Killus, but upon seeing their leader, it wasn't her. Just another lackey. But she found out that Killus was beginning to expand the Rakis off-world. Rydia then quickly dispatched with their leader, being a powerful kinetic user. It was almost too easy for her. She then brought up the security cameras to find Arcantos about to be executed. Before that, Rydia decided to use her corrupting gaze for the first time, corrupting one of the executioners and helping to save Arcantos. In the end, they were both rescued by the inevitable assault squadron, and taken back home. Arcantos did not complete the mission for Hyterion, but Ariel was able to warn the Throne Lord of the coming catastrophe. Before leaving the Citadel, Ariel tried to convince Rydia to return with them to the Pillars and help in taking down this new threat before it becomes too big to handle. Rydia did not want to leave her sister, and a part of her was waiting for her brother to return. Surprisingly, out of sheer coincidence, Rydia's brother returned to the garden and told her of a coming catastrophe. However, seeing her brother was strange. It almost felt like he was an alien. But even with this doubt Rydia had, her feelings for Lewin were strong enough to wipe away any doubts. Unfortunately for her, she didn't learn that it wasn't her brother until it was too late. Heading back with the Inevitable Assault Squadron, Arcantos and Ariel, they all arrived at Archaea on the Mark of the Gathering, attending the ceremony in order to find out more about these formless and capture one of them. Beforehand, William was told to go meet with the Game Master in Sector 399 of Vicronix, as he owed Emperor Zahn a favor. That favor came in the form of a gadget able to detect the formless. 
and during the gathering, the person wearing this gadget was Emperor Zahn himself. As a result, Zahn saw who the Formless was at the gathering, and instead of capturing it there for everyone to question, he teleported away with it. And as it turned out, Hytirin was not the Formless. They learned there that there was more than one, that the Formless William had encountered over a decade before had created weaker versions of its kind. At this gathering, Grand Sage Orkelis was also attending, primarily there to study the halberd of Ulysses, but Rydia discovered Orkelis's life sapped from him, and the halberd missing. The Formless had gotten the weapon able to fend off against one of the Titans. This meant they had to get it back, but where they might be, they had no idea. The mark after the gathering, Arcantus was summoned by Vicroniax in order to obtain an artifact it created in ages past. And not only that, he was told to bring his allies, as they would have a stake on the mission as well. The mission itself, to infiltrate the admin consult and enter the Game Master's vault, retrieving the artifacts and freeing a creature that can wield one of them. On this mission, Rydia, William, Arcantos, and the inevitable assault worked alongside the sink zone pillar to reclaim one of the four weapons to face off against the titans they freed an aquari named Urelli, who had been captured for over a decade and trapped inside an aquarium for the viewing pleasure of the many low-life scum in sector 399 given proper clearance from vicroniax they were able to work their way through the consult and retrieve the artifacts along with Urelli. Yoreli was not ready to leave though, as she knew one of her people was still alive. But in the aftermath of the chaos, there was no way they could save another from the criminals. Upon their quick escape, with the help of the conduit, before they could head back through the pillar transport, Arcantos went through a massive experience that involved time manipulation through an alternate reality. As a result, Arcantos lost the ability to travel through other realms other than Synchronous. However, he found out more about the Formless, learning of their home, Excantor. These Cantorites are born from cataclysmic events, which explains why they seek to unleash the Titans. The question now was where did they take the halberd of Ulysses? This was actually easier than they expected, as William still had his spectacles of truth, which when wearing, a path lights his way to his intended goal. The path led back to Prima's garden. Back to the Verkis. This meant only one thing. Killis and the Formless are working together. With Rydia and William helming the mission to Prima's garden, Arcantos instructed Ariel before they left to assemble the Runic Council and unleash the inner core so that he may assess the threat level of the formless. Once back home, Rydia instructed the inevitable assault to make sure her sister was okay, as the world looked completely different from when she left just a mark before. Infiltrating the Rakis compound where Arcantus and Rydia had prior engagements with, the four chosen, William, Rydia, Arcantos, and Urelli, were able to acquire disguises and pose as soldiers of the Rakis. However, the lieutenant escorting them became wary, causing Rydia to use her corrupting gaze on him. This did not go as planned, as it happened to be three marks away 
from the submergence array. Yorelli knew this to be a bad idea, and became upset with Rydia, telling her not to use that ability again, as Rydia could become consumed. But it was already too late. She already began her path towards the void. And upon finding the chamber where the halberd was being held, Rydia had to corrupt the lieutenant one more time, pushing her over the edge. Right as they found the halberd, Rydia corrupted herself and used a shadow rift away with the halberd in her hands. William and Arcantos shocked by this turn of events, the doors to the chamber were beginning to be pried open. Before they could get caught by the formus himself, William used a runic rift to teleport them back to Ariel. Their plan was somewhat of a success, but with Rydia gone, they did not have the halberd in their grasp. The Formless is mobilizing forces in the Dwarven Citadel, potentially preparing a larger catastrophe that will give rise to more of its kind. I thank you for listening to this entry. Be prepared for Entry 40, as it will continue where this entry has left off. There are obviously a few details I may be leaving out, but you'll get to experience what these sessions are like for The Chosen next Saturday on May 29th. If you'd like to learn more about some of the things you heard here, be sure to sign up for ArthadianAnthologies.com so you can read through the codex entries found there. You can access a codex that features the Aquari, or even research the deeper intricacies of the core energies. And be sure to share this with your friends who are looking for new ways to entertain themselves and immerse themselves. Thank you again for your support. Be safe. Stay safe. And if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power. Thank you.